friends, welcome to episode 53 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? You know, I, I wanted to say that I was ready for this, but I wasn't. <laughs> you know, what I what I realized like about 30 seconds ago is that it's it's just it's dangerous our new recording setup because we don't have Caitlin here to tell us like <laughs> we, we do it's not. time we totally we're ready to go. Not. We're like in the middle of a discussion about uh, about the, about our uh, today's show topic. And, yeah, we've uh, been going all over about this topic, so it's gonna we're gonna pack a lot into a, into the schedule. But yeah, we were totally <laughs> all of a sudden we're like, oh shoot, shit, we gotta, <laughs> got shit to do. Fire, fire it up, fire it up. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. Hi, hi everybody. Do you feel things have adjusted or changed in the world outside, outside of our our, our little thing? Do you feel like things have gotten lighter, or? Or do you feel better about things? Um, I know I'm kind of off topic from like what we normally talk about, yeah, but this no, is our no, pause no. moment before we get started. No, I gotcha. Um, I I don't know. I I'll be dead honest with you. I've been kind of keeping my head down um, because uh, you know I, I've I've been very open about my my struggle with depression. No, and, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I've really been trying to just kind of find that balance between um, paying enough attention so that I'm not complicit in my own destruction and uh, utterly tuning everything out because it's just too much. I get that. I and, get that. Um, it, that's that's been up. That's been a constant struggle for me. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I stay home. I play video games and just try to do my best. I feel like people as a general like mm-hmm. at least within my friends group and in yours too because we, we cross a lot of circles that we're hitting a stride of comfort you're kind of getting with, used to the whole yeah like it's thing we, we've, we've figured out how to what we need and where to find it and you know oh in the, the like oh well this is running out there okay well i'm prepared mm-hmm. you know i've got what i need yeah. People, I can get in contact with people. People found Zoom, and we've just kind of hit a stride, and I and gotten. I'm not going to say comfortable, but accustomed, and that's changed a little bit of the breathing room, and I like that. It's good to see. Yeah, you know, yeah. people are take people are comfortable with the precautions. It's no longer weird to see someone walking down the street with a mask. Mm-hmm. It's weirder that you basically just avoid the people who don't have them. Right, right, you right. You just kind of stay away from them. Like this this weekend, I was it was or sorry, I should say uh, Monday. We were we actually had some people stop by the house and were able to talk with uh, Vicky for her birthday. Happy mm-hmm. birthday, Vic! Um, I'll say that again because it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the um, the people who came were masked and gloved. Some you know way more covered than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still came just to say hi and and you know do their little thing and take off. And everybody just kind of stood out on the back porch. Yeah, back patio we, or front we, porch we kept very on. good distance, yeah. and we were. But we still had. But what was nice was we heard people from different areas mm-hmm. and kind of got feelings from where they were at. Um, some who were in the medical profession, so mm-hmm. we got some some information there, um, which I'm not going to to reiterate because it's hearsay and it's skeptic. You know, I'm I'm hearing secondhand, so I'm sure, not going to sure, try sure. and say that this is a thing. But what it gave me was a sense of. We are coming to an equilibrium as a society mm-hmm. with this and an understanding. And I liked that feeling. It wasn't just a feeling of fear from everyone. 
And yeah. so that was that was nice. That That's was nice. Good. That's that that is really good though. Yeah. Hey, Matt Elf. He uh, glad to have you here with us. We, we I wanted to make sure you didn't miss it since it's not part of your normal routine this week. Right. So we are <laughs> well, glad to have you. Welcome to everybody in the live chat. Yes. Always, yes. Uh, both you, Knox and Sam. I'm hoping a few more faces show up as well. I know I see some on the uh, Mixlr. We're glad to have you as well out there in listening land, but not necessarily chat land. Uh, so we do appreciate you listening live, all of you. So, getting on today's topic. Holy poop. Okay, so we <laughs> we name drop Palladium, specifically like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, so there's your first turtle reference for the show. Uh, there will be more. But uh, we, we name drop it all the time, but I know, um, I, I, I'm at least in my sense, I think Palladium's kind of fallen out of, fallen out of fashion. Um, in recent years, it's more of a child of the 80s and 90s than it is a... Uh, um, uh, uh, this millennium thing, you know. So I think our newest generation of gamers aren't as familiar with games like Palladium. Uh, so I, I wanted to take some time and just uh, talk about it and do a, do a, a spotlight yeah. for it and uh, kind of let everybody know what, what Palladium is in scope, um, what it's good at, what it's bad at. Where and... it can't come from, kind of where it fit into things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how does it compare? And what how does it contrast with their systems? Like, right. When you're when we're talking about systems, we talk about a wide breadth of systems, um, and many most of our systems fit within the tabletop stack of dice, talking maps, things like that mm-hmm. style of role playing. There are a lot of other styles, but we're talking about very classic tabletop role play. Yes, um, and this definitely Palladium fits within it, but within its own subset of what that is. Um, a lot of people use D and D as the baseline. Yeah. Like whether you go one way or another and, and how you branch away from it. And I, I definitely say that, um, Palladium sits in a system design that is a, uh, that is colloquially known as a multiverse design where you have a universal system that, ma- that goes over multiple designs, uh, of worlds, mm-hmm. um, uh, GURPS does a job of that as well. Yeah, GURPS does um, an excellent job of that. Uh, there's another system that I'm not, I, I'm losing my mind on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, another good system for that. Technically, technically, fate is that to a degree. Yeah, fate. Um, fate's pretty system like agnostic with yeah. its, with its, its but setup. But I, I think it's different because it is system agnostic. It wasn't embedded in a system that then yeah. grew out. Whereas Palladium started in a fantasy system. And then grew from that point uh, to where it is today. Uh, Matt Elf is asking, uh, do you see that as a trend away from really crunchy slash numbers based systems? Um, I think so. I don't. I don't think I see as many number. Like I, I think like recent games that we've been seeing coming out have been a lot more role play heavy and a lot more rules light. But that may also be our perception of where we're sitting. Honestly, I think the crunch like. It's a lot easier to write a just, lighter game too. Okay, so like just just looking at our at our our local gaming store, mm-hmm. okay, our yep. FLGS I'm friendly local gaming store. Yep. Um, if you just look at like the the, the 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 hardcover books that they sell on their shelf, okay, judging from what they're stocking, mm-hmm. we can infer that that's what's in fashion right now. Right, because okay. they're not going to stock things that people aren't playing or that aren't 
inherently popular. Exactly. Although I I say that in so many weird ways because inherently popular means people are buying it, and the only way you know about it is if it's at the store. So, um, I mean, maybe I mean people find stuff along the way sure. all the time. Uh, but I mean, okay. So so looking at like the things that I saw last time they were there, obviously D and D fifth edition, right? Uh, Path Pathfinder, yep. Um, which is arguably the crunchiest of the games that I think I've seen out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starfinder. Yep. Uh, I've seen uh, iterations of Fate mm-hmm. uh, that are out there. Um, I think so. The call the reason more reason called Cthulhu yes. book. Yep. Which I understand is a little bit crunchy. Yes. Um, it is. I would say that it sits on the crunchier end of the scale. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's GURP slash Palladium crunchy. No, and and I think we can get into that a little bit to kind of understand what that means. Um, so. Just to put it in genre perspective sure. and, and, and time perspective, um, Palladium first came out in 81. Now, we say that as like, oh, that wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I was one um, year old. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And funny enough, I pulled out my player's handbook for second edition. Actually, this is Vicky's. I have mine upstairs. Then oh, we have goodness, a spare. Because yeah. um, I wanted to see when this was printed. Because uh, I didn't look it up, and I didn't want to look it up online. I wanted to see what the print date on this was. Um, and it's uh, what's funny is the foreword is 1989. Oh, my goodness. So to can, g- can, I, can I put a picture of this on Twitter? <laughs> you could put a picture of this on Twitter. My hair's terrible. <laughs> but um, the foreword in this is 1989. So that gives you a perspective of the fantasy that... Um, and, and again, this is D&D 2nd Edition, Player's Handbook, the classic one. Um so, Palladium doing this in 1981 was really following up on D&D, mm-hmm. original D&D, yes. and what was going on in the world, and where second edition was coming into play, and altering some of the rules that were there. So, as an opening system, it was pretty amazing. Now, keeping in mind, too, I mean, we, we talk a lot about, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, and Heroes Unlimited, and Rifts, and whatnot, but we're talking, this is palladium fantasy role-playing okay this was an exact answer to D. this was their flagship game at, at the time was their fantasy system yeah and matt i'll just put in perspective he, he said chaosium was in the same kind of vein and uh, i tend to agree with him to a to a to a point um it's not i would not put it in a crunchy state but I would put it in a, a more crunchy state than most because there was quite a bit of rules in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but definitely in a multiverse, mm-hmm. in, in a multiverse design. Same as the Palladium. So a lot of things were coming out at that time that way where you would build a world and a rule system at the same time and then just keep adding on to it but keeping the rule set. Yeah, yeah. And, and carrying that through so that you could use that rule set in any one of these stacks of worlds that we give you and, and, we'll, and add on books we'll circle back around to that too but i yeah. would say that that right there is probably the biggest draw of palladium without in a general doubt. yeah simply because you can pull from just about any book and it's applicable and and i would say not only that was what made it um enticing was the fact that there were books yeah like i could go grab a book of fantasy or I could grab a contemporary book, or I could grab a future book, or I could grab a post-Holocaust book that mm-hmm. were all from the same system, and, and now I had more stuff to read and, and learn about a world that I didn't have to create mm-hmm. whole cloth and, and try and figure things out. And yep. as, a, as a kid, that was great. That was. That gave me tons of information and neat things to look at and, and, and to follow, and then to be able to kind of blend those things on occasion 
was even more amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think that was a major appeal of a multiverse system was that they were writing and writing a lot, like a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I'm just going to throw out there in the in the sub on this is that it's local. Palladium's a local system for us. Well, look at us, anyways. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, it was it was Michigan based, in the, in the and area. they literally are down the road from us. Mm-hmm. Which right down we're going to leave it right there for that. But um, some time in my past, I actually got to meet the creator. Oh, cool! Like a long time ago, mm. um, and uh, it was is more of a passing chance that I got to sit down at a table with him. Um, during the heyday of this stuff. That's still really neat, though. Yeah. It was neat. It was different. Um, I will say that it taught me two things. One, uh, the creations always run away from the creator. Uh-huh. It, it just, it's an inevitable thing that's going to happen. Uh, and two, uh, never, ju- <laughs> never judge a story by their creator. <laughs> um, because you will get a very different feel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I will leave there that there and get back to the system because there's there's history, there's all kinds of stuff with Palladium. I know uh, that there are some stuff that we're not going to discuss because we're not going to talk about the corpus of the company. We're not going to talk anything. We're just going to talk about the system, and yep. that's what we're going to focus on is what we loved and how it's different. So I think the game that that both you was it was it just me or was it both of us that that TMNT was our first uh, foray into Palladium? I think Ro- you said no, Robotech was Robotech. Yours. Literally, I can tell you when I got my book. Okay, um, I was walking home from middle school. And there was a bookstore that sold magazines and books and stuff that was in this little plaza mm-hmm. right at the corner on the way home. And I would go in there because they had this candy counter that was right at the beginning, right at the front of the store. And then right next to it, on you know, opposite wall, um, you'd turn and there were all these books mm-hmm. with really cool. And they obviously weren't comics. Sure. And I was trying to figure out like, and so I grabbed this book that had a giant mech on the front that looked very cartoonish. And I'm like, what is this? And I started paging through it. I was like, and I, I kept going there week after week and grabbing. And it was like, there were two copies there, but there were a few other books with it. And I saw D and D and some other books there. So he clearly had a little role-playing section. Mm-hmm. And it was probably bigger than I thought. And there sure. was probably some other stuff in there. Uh, but I kept looking at that price tag. And I was like, God damn, I'm going to get that. Mm-hmm. And finally, I saved up enough lunch money and other monies that I had stashed away. 20 whole bucks at that I time. I think it was. I think it was yeah. 20 or $24. And I bought it. Mm-hmm. And I took it home. And I fucking destroyed that book. Oh, I still yeah. have it. It's upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely got the love from a childhood in there. Mm-hmm. You can see the scroll on it and oh, marks sure. on pages and things sure. like that. But that was my first love. And that was... Honestly, before I saw my first episode of Robotech. Oh, wow. So I had no idea what Robotech Sight was. Sight yeah. I just thought it was a really cool universe. And then I watched Robotech, and my dreams of what the universe really was were destroyed by Lin-Min May singing. Um, <laughs> but I liked the rest of it. And, sure, sure. And um, I actually got an appreciation for some of the characters and other things in the story and what they've done with it. Um, but I loved how much content there was that palladium created for it there mm-hmm. were so many books now see that and, and that's i would say probably you know the we, we've mentioned the uh the, the portability of the multiverse sort yeah. of thing yep. um but i would say that's probably one of the other great things about you know the, the, the palladium line was that especially during the 80s and 90s and such as that they had all these other different licenses uh, so you picked up the robotech license i picked up the tmnt license uh, now the, the the TMNT license was actually done in directly in conjunction with uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, who are the original writers and artists for uh, for TMNT. Yeah, they did um, 
tons of the artwork in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, drew up all sorts of cool mutant characters to kind of oh, spark, God, your, yeah. spark your imagination. But all they of... had all of the original characters in there, mm-hmm. too. Um, with a look that was both a cross between, I would say, the original comics look mm-hmm. and, and, and imagery, but also some adaptive art that they had put in there. Other other sketches and things that they had done yeah, that, yeah, was a, that was pushing more toward a friendlier cartoon look. Yeah, in a, in, a, in a bit, but yeah. you know, they, the Eastman Laird have always had their own sort of sort of uh, pseudo realistic, cartoony sort of style that, that's always been really good. It's beautiful. I love it. I love and it. if you if you on a side note, if you have an opportunity to read the original Turtles comics, um, not the like <laughs> Archie comics version where it's like, oh, totally tubular pizza, dude. You yeah, know? not the um, not the recreation into TV either. Right now, I and, I, and I'm I. I I kind of wanted to bring that up too because that's actually what killed the line. Was uh, they 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 had this really cool comic that was these four. I mean, it was it was supposed to be a little bit of an out there story. I mean, it is teenage mutant ninja turtles after all. I mean, we're we know what we're about at least you know, but they all wore red bandanas. They were they were trained to be assassins and they right. were trained to kill the shredder. Correct. You know. It was the worst naming conventions and the weirdest design and how but, they got And it was campy as hell. It was campy but, as hell. But it was but it was this cool little story about these four turtles that mm-hmm. got trained by their by their by, by this rat, rat ninja master. master um to go and avenge the death of his master by killing the shredder. Right. The shredder was a was it was a, like a real estate agent? I mean, he was yeah. like he had kind of gone legit mm-hmm. um, until the turtles came to town and were like, "We're going to effing kill you," right? You know, and then he had to be like, "Oh God, I got to put the ninja stuff back on," you know. And and they do. They end up literally chucking, like knocking him off the edge of a building and blowing him up with his own grenade. Yeah, you know that 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 picture is in the turtles book. Mm-hmm. You can find mm-hmm. it. Um. And you know it had some blood, it had some swearing. You know it was it was it was definitely like PG thirteen at very least. You know, and uh, then you know they they turned it into the children's uh, product that it that it became. Yeah. It's probably well known as now. Oh yeah, where they they have all different you know colors and the styles and April O'Neil is white now yeah. and Baxter Stockman is white now. Which I thought was if you if you go into the TMNT RPG book, mm-hmm. she's not. No, she is. I put. Po- mm. We did this on Twitter. Did we? Yes. Oh. Uh, no. I. In. In on Discord. The original yeah. art's in there, though. The original art's in there. She is black. Right. Yes. And so is Baxter Stockman. Correct. Yes. Yes. And they totally whitewashed both of those characters yes. in the in, in the, the the cartoons and yes. stuff like that. Yes. But they turned it into a kids' product, and then all of a yeah. sudden, they, and Palladium instantly saw sales just drop for it. Yeah. Because. "Quote unquote," no self-respecting teenager wanted to be caught dead playing that children's game. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. But still a fantastic system. So let's. I would say we've talked about Robotech. We've talked about TMNT. There's a few other genres in there that they've done. Uh, one is the book you've got sitting right in front of you, Heroes Unlimited. Which again, for a heroes game, damn, there's a lot of content. Well, because they try to cover everything that could possibly be a superhero. Which was a lot then. Which was a lot then. Like You've got the, bionic superheroes and robotic superheroes. Psychic heroes. Psychic and, heroes and magic heroes and just plain ups, you know, shoot lasers from their eye beams, superheroes and aliens and all sorts of jazz. And Heroes Unlimited has a little slice of everything. And they've got their own character creation rules for yeah. them. 
and their own, you know, rules for how their powers work and whatnot. So it's a thick book. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, much like everything else in, in, in Palladium, it's exhaustive. Yep, yep. And it's in its amount of content that they have packed in there. Yeah. Um, no, we've got to, uh, there's there's a uh, and of course rifts we'll we'll and we'll get to rifts because rifts is kind of its own category, um because that quickly became its uh their 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 flagship product when that came out in uh, 1990, but um the, the other one we kind of want to mention um are like some of their smaller books that see you've got ninjas and super spies sitting in front of you I did I, I I saw Mad Elf ninjas and super it. spies is one of my all time favorite books but I wouldn't even call it a setting no it's just the greatest martial arts source book it really is a great martial arts source book it's pretty incredible like I only ever use that book because it's got like what 51 different martial arts styles in there yeah and they give a brief history of them what the what the the uh the different martial arts tries to do they've got some character class options in there for like yeah I mean it was it, and that's the thing is that if you compared this to something like d and d second edition these would be your complete books whereas like d and d had fighter mm-hmm. rogue you know, classes, but they were in your player's handbook. And then you'd have your complete books that would go into the subsets of what they were. Whereas with um, Palladium, you had your main book, which didn't really exist. You had a world. Mm -hmm. And then you had books like Heroes Unlimited, which had a whole series of new classes in it. You had Ninjas and Superheroes, which had a whole series of new classes in it. You had, you know, and everything was different. So there were classes that fit with the world, but they still fit in the same universe. Yeah. So it was similar in that design, mm-hmm. but I mean, it went way off the charts for what you had. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Rifts did a good job of that by going um, by parts of the world. I will say that, and mm-hmm. or u- multiverses of its own. Right. Right. Like you had uh, Triax Industries, which was Germany, effectively, and mm-hmm. what was going on over there. And you had a whole plethora of stuff that was a whole world onto itself that was just the German area. Yep. You know. So the coalition, all yep, that sort of stuff, right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I would say that it was fitting within the same design that other groups were following, but I think the breadth of what you had available to you grew exponentially in the book. See, and T- TMNT did the exact same thing mm-hmm. actually back in the day too, because uh, a lot of the source books that came off of that. I mean, there there was transdimensional TMNT, TMNT and time, or yep. tur- Turtles in Time and yep. stuff like that that you know taught you about like these super or these uh, uh, sci-fi sort of aspects. Yeah, but the main source books that came out for it were things like um, uh, Mutants of the Yucatan, yeah, uh, Mutants Down Under, oh yeah, uh, Mutants in Avalon, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, which were Turtles in Space. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm I'm speaking more terrestrial, right, right, just simply because like Mutants Down Under, it's all the Australian, mm-hmm. it's the Australian source book. So yeah. there are some very unique animals down there. If you ever wanted to play a mutant platypus, you could, you absolutely could. It was in that book, you know. But a thing that I would say all of them carried, um, all of these systems, and uh, moving moving through them was probably one of the most adaptive character creation systems that you didn't have to be creative, really. Yeah. You could roll on tables to make your character. Every single step of the way. Yeah. yeah. So if you were just a person who's like, I want to do something crazy... I can follow these tables and make a character and not only make the the stats of the character, not only make the abilities of the character and where he was from, but the background, what made the character, what made them unique, 
where they had, you know, what, what things had happened to them. Mm-hmm. And some details expressed out as far as, like, in the case of Robotech, like, age, sex, weight, disposition, mm-hmm. uh, parents, heritage, um, crazy things. I mean, you could get into some high levels of minutia that it would do for you. Yep. Which was neat when you kind of looked at it because it was it made things easier it gave you a start point it it basically yeah. inverted the whole 20 questions thing and said i'm gonna answer your 20 questions for you with random rolls yep boom yep i mean i loved that about tmnt that you could literally create a random mutant mm-hmm. and sometimes it was crappy but sometimes, hilarious sometimes it was crappy and i i think I, even when when i was playing full-time i was not um i don't think i truly understood that you didn't need to roll and so, you know, we would start a game and I'd be like, oh, I got an opossum. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. I'm my, with you. My ability is to play dead yep. until I'm dead for real. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So I, I think the shift, at least for me, from the original, because you had the original fantasy system, mm-hmm. you then had um, Robotech, which was its own universe, you know, setting wise. You had Rifts, which was. A multiverse, but also kind of its own setting. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was all kinds of crazy Pantheon stuff that went with Rifts and different worlds and different yeah. areas. So it was its own design. So let's 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 talk about Rift for, for just a hot second here. Because, it was later. Uh, again, you know, it's it's so this is uh starting in nineteen ninety, um mm-hmm. became their became their, their flagship uh setting. And so basically Rifts is um it takes place in a uh uh, se- semi near future uh we think things are still yeah. futuristic still you still have like things power armor and stuff like that um, right 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 but uh if if memory serves correctly and i'm, I'm probably slaughtering a lot of the minutiae here but mm-hmm. uh human beings do something that um essentially shatters reality yes and uh so these rifts open up um, well, it was a nuclear rift. holocaust. It was a nuclear holocaust. That's right. Okay, it. so basically, these 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 rifts, uh, because they they've hit reality so hard and shattered it, mm-hmm. um, open up and like extra dimensional aliens and stuff like that start spilling through. Well, like, you, Atlantis rises. Magic flows back into the world because it was closed off from us until we you know cracked it open and now it's not you know right. Uh, so it's uh, imagine it's it's I would say it's probably its closest cousin is is Warhammer forty thousand. Yeah, I could see you've, that. You've I could got see that. Dudes in power armor. You've got yeah. gigantic weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got psychic, psychic stuff. stuff. You've got magic stuff. You've got a- weird aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, war is everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, you, that's... you've got a overpowered government. Um, yeah. Just I'm paging through it right now. I've got it literally in front of me. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of weird stuff. It, there's a ton of stuff in here about the the coalition and other places and the world overview. Oh, that's um, right. I'm looking pa- to see what they actually pages in there too. Yeah, they did have some great color art in here. Mm-hmm. There's, it's kind of amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's an incredible amount of data that's packed into one world. Now, one one thing I will say about the, about rifts, and this is actually where I kind of diverge. I never actually got into rifts um, because uh, I kind of drew the line with it. Okay. Um. So one of the major changes, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the game mechanics in the Palladium world in just a little bit here, but um, things in uh. So we're we're all used to a hit point system, right? Um, coming from a lot of us come from D and D, and we 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 imagine like hit points, okay. 
Well, Palladium broke that down into hit points and what they call SDC, and that is structural damage capacity. So objects have SDC. They Mm -hmm. have an amount of damage they can take before they break. Same thing with a human body, though. You have a certain amount of bumps and bruises and minor flesh wounds that you can take before it actually starts killing you. Okay, And so characters in Palladium games have uh, typically a very, very low hit point pool, Mm -hmm. but they may have gobs and gobs of SDC. Right. Okay. Uh, Rifts through into common use uh, and a mechanic called MDC, and that is mega damage capacity. Right. Okay. And one MDC is 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 equivalent to one hundred SDC mm-hmm. on a one to one hundred just straight up scale. Yep. Okay. Simple. So if I do one point of MDC to you, mm-hmm. that is one hundred SDC, and that will straight up vaporize most characters. Most most people, yes. Unless you are wearing some really high tech armor, right, or something like that. Like if you are, if I hit a fleshy part of you, mm-hmm. it is gone. Yep. Vaporized. With with even one point of MDC. Yep. And I mean, like, literally they had, like, little pen lasers that did, like, 1D4 MDC. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, 1D4, that's not... Oh. Oh. That's the noisy cricket. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. obliterates any human. Yeah. Just gone. Blades, like, laser whips and blades that were doing that would do 1D4 MDC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's a sword that can cut limbs off. And yeah. at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't think I can make the jump to MDC. I don't. I don't really think I can exist, or play, or have fun in a world where a stray laser literally destroys my entire character. Um, to answer the question, uh, Matt Elf, uh, tanks would actually have MDC, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, you could technically whittle them away with SDC. Um, there were some that obviously, at a certain point, they basically just ignore small arms fire. Anything that did less than, I want to say, 100 STC in a burst mm-hmm. was ignored. Yep. Um, so, like, you're firing a 9mm a tank, it's not going to do anything. But if you take a, you know, fully automatic uh, chain gun that's doing, you know, you know 66 STC, mm-hmm. you know, um, times 10... Times ten, yeah. You know, yeah, you could technically whittle away the armor on the front side of a you tank. You could do one or two whole points of MDC in a turn if if you if you unloaded a minigun on it. Yeah, right. But you could shed you could shred front armor on something, and some things had you know certain MDC plating. Yep. You know, but it wasn't a lot, and it yep. could through. But on the other hand, you'd have things that would have like, oh, the front, you know, the front chest piece in on this has ten MDC. No, it's it's not going to take small arms fire. Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to shrough that off like it's nothing. Yep. So that that's where that idea came from. So now Rift Rifts also did uh, uh, include things like juicers. Yes, uh, who could... who are who are not people who are enthusiastic about their smoothies. No, no, and, uh, maybe they are. Maybe they are. And glitter boys who are also share no resemblance to to David Bowie. No, <laughs> although arguably kind of does because um, they were fabulous. And when they showed up, everyone paid attention to them. This is true. It's hard um, to ignore a glitter boy. Yeah, juicers basically were druggies. Uh, well, more more than that, they were more like um, if anybody knows Bane from uh, yeah. from Star uh, from uh, from uh, God, I was about to say Star Trek. Wow, uh, from Batman. Yeah. Um, like, and I mean comics, Batman. Like, right. not not the movie necessarily, no. because uh, in in the comics, 
Bane had a chemical harness, essentially, right. um, directly like IV injected into Correct. different points in his body, and he could just basically flip a switch or turn a valve or whatever it was, and it would inject this um, uh, this chemical into him that basically turned him into this superhuman giant Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we got that's how we got stuff done. Yeah. Other than that, he was just a guy in a luchador mask. Um, Pretty much, yeah. And that, that's basically a juicer. Yeah. That uh, is a juicer. They they wear these harnesses that and it, it like shortens their lifespan to like five, ten years or something like that. It's pretty short. Like literally, once you start juicing, it just starts killing you. Yeah. I mean, there but, were rules for converting off, off from it, but you still wouldn't get like more than ten years or fifteen years out of your life. Yep. So. And, uh, but, but they, oh my God, they were psychotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had your glitter boys who were the aforementioned, uh, which glitter boy is just a... A term for this gigantic suit of power armor with a gun that it was about as tall as they were strapped onto the arm. The shoulder. Onto the shoulder. And it had, like, they had um, literally, like, bracing spikes that would shoot out of the feet into whatever they were standing on so that the gun, when they fired at the recoil, didn't just send them Tear flying. them off the ground. Yeah. Yes. And it was basically a particle projection cannon, but more than that. And these were characters you could play. Yep. Yep. <laughs> These yep. were just common characters you could play. Yeah. And I think that was probably as close to a uh space marine as you would you got yep. pretty much in the system. Although a lot of the a yeah, lot of the coalition guys like armor yeah. looked very, very much more like a a uh space marine. Mm-hmm. You know, in the way the coalitions because they always use the death head as their like this this skull as their Are thing. we the baddies? Yeah, they were totally the baddies. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about this this megaversal kind of design and 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 what it really meant, um, and how it helped. I would say for me, it gave me options. Oh yeah. The earliest thing is is I could I remember seeing the plethora of books and every book when you would go to the back and you'd be looking at sections, it would tell you about the next books that were coming out mm-hmm. and give you examples of what they were, and I think that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, my, my, every, from, from the very beginning, when I started playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was always like, okay, we're playing turtles, but you can also pick from, you know, this parts of Heroes Unlimited mm-hmm. and use any of these martial arts styles from Ninjas and Super Spies. Well, yeah, because the end of the book always said it was compatible with the entire Palladium Books Megaverse. Yeah. Which is wonderful. I mm-hmm. mean, it literally is screaming right there at you. Hey, use this with everything. And and to me, that was like one of the one of the great you know uh, fun of mm-hmm. of creating characters. I'm, I know I just referred to making Palladium characters as fun. Uh, but no, I think they were fun, just different kind of fun. I mean, it's the same way that you play the game Paranoia, and it's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. See, see how that goes. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. Um. But uh, yeah, but 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 was the was part of the fun though was uh, was just kind of trying to find that neat combination of you know what is a, um, uh, you know what what is a a a mutant raccoon that can do pow pat may leopard style kung fu look like, you know while wielding you know other psionics that you might have dug out of Heroes Unlimited it's it can it can get pretty pretty crunchy but pretty interesting, um, and I think. Uh, I think TMNT was actually my first like classless game. Um, yeah, long long before I ever played uh, anything like uh, uh, you know Vampire the Masquerade or anything like that. Um, it was it was probably the first truly classless thing. Yeah, and you're not I mean, you're not ever asking the question of who's healing, who's tanking, who's right. who's DPS. That, There's that, no those... real roles in there. Like no. you just kind of build a character and you know. 
There's a lot of different information that goes on there. Um, your martial arts styles, your equipment, your training, your special, you know, super abilities, maybe some mutations, things like that. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at Mad Elf's comment. Yes. The session zero, as we love to call it, was actual character creation sessions because we had to get together with people to books and pull out reams of paper to make it. And yes, sometimes it was a part-time job. This is from an era where the first person, first session was just character creation and sometimes a part-time job. And I remember wrong. I remember sitting with books in libraries and at friends' houses creating my characters before the first session, only to be editing them again at the first session. It was a full eight-hour job. Oh, like yeah. It really was. To, yeah. to, create, to create characters for a full group of people, you had to get all in one place, and it was a full eight hours yeah i would say i would say between four and eight hours depending on who was doing the work effort and i used to get so mad because i'd have a couple people who were like oh i'll just make my character up before we play no you won't no you won't no you won't because that 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 just cans the entire game session right there like yep we're not playing if you're trying to do it before we play yeah you know because you're gonna be grabbing from errata and all kinds of crap Right. On the we, fly. We quit at eight, and if you're fast, you might get it done by five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's if you're decisive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You know exactly what you want to build. Mm-hmm. And you know what and you know what books it's in. So getting to the core of things, what is the what do you feel is the biggest difference between Palladium Systems and D and D? It's just the system. The, the straight up numbers and dice and 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 sheets because we were talking about as you were looking at this book I was like look at the D and D book yeah look at this book what do you feel is the the paper to paper difference uh God it's it's so information dense there is rules for everything okay um I mean I I, I guess my my counter question to you is what edition of D and D are we talking about because you were comparing it to like second edition D and D which was I, I felt was the comparative at the time. Okay. Um, I mean, if we're going to compare it to something like 5th, uh, I mean, it's world's difference. Oh, regardless. I mean, but we're talking about years difference yeah. in, in, in world change. That's like, think... that's like trying to say a 57 Chevy and a, you know, a 79 Camaro mm. and trying to compare those two. They're right. not the same thing. Yeah. I mean. Uh, okay. So if we're, if, we're, if we're comparing like you know, the Palladium multiverse or megaverse to, uh, to something like AD&D second edition. Um, I, I think AD&D second edition, um, and D&D in general, um, because of its class base and stuff like that tends to try to be very structured. Um, you know, this, this particular character is good at this thing. And if you take that character class, you're going to be that role in the mm-hmm. group. Yes. It, it, it sets a role. Um, whereas I think Palladium just kind of lays it all out there and just goes, here's some stuff. I feel that Palladium went to, here's what you do for a living. And therefore these are the things that are surrounded around it. And you can be, you could still be a janitor, but also have like, enjoy comic books, no. you know, cause you have that ability and it's within, you know, a little bit of play or I could be a rhino that's six feet tall and is a buddhist monk and knows shaolin sure fighting styles sure but at the same time also can breathe fire Mm -hmm. because of stuff because of stuff whatever it's weird it's weird it's a comic book sort of but it creates a a more rounded character it really does yeah whereas like if you go to a dnd fighter more like people right if you if you follow the book Mm -hmm. of D D, you will be a race, 
that defines who you are, and a class that defines who you are. It defines what you do. What defines what you do. Yeah. Beyond that, until we got until, like, I don't know, 3-5, we really didn't even have backgrounds. Or, 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 or we didn't have backgrounds then, but we had feats that gave us a little difference. Mm-hmm. And then now we have backgrounds, so we're finally getting to a point where the game is starting to help develop who the character is. Yeah, f- five editions in. Yeah. Whereas Palladium, right off the bat, was like, are you unscrupulous? Here's your rules of how to play your character. Mm-hmm. You oh, will not the, do the following things. Oh, and the alignment system mm-hmm. is so much better than traditional D&Ds. It's more complete. It's more complete. It's more. It's it's better defined. Yeah. Um. So, I, and we've, we've talked about it before. We've talked oh, about yeah. it before. But the and all of the books have different ones, by the way. I loved that about that. Not different ones. Oh, Ninjas and Super Spies, Rifts. I can go through all these. They're all they're all have different ones. They're slightly different. Are they? Yeah, it's really funny. Okay, well, I guess uh, I guess maybe I, I just never noticed. I never compared was, them. But I just um, the alignment system in in the the Palladium system um, I thought was really great because they didn't do things like lawful good, lawful neutral, things like that. Um, they they all had kind of names. So you you still have good alignments. You still have evil alignments, but. You don't have neutral alignments. You have nope. selfish alignments, which I think is a better name for it. It does make a lot more sense. Because people think neutral, and they just think, oh, neither good nor bad. Or they do that weird thing where they're like, oh, for every good deed, I need to do a bad deed. Which right. is just weird. I don't know anybody who uses that kind of logic. Like, oh, I helped an old lady across the street. Now i got to punch this dude. I'm sorry. Them's the rules. You know? Um, and... Uh, so they define them as selfish alignments. Right, you have good, selfish, and evil. Yeah, and a selfish a selfish alignment won't necessarily go out of their way to harm people for you know fun and profit like an evil person will. But right. look, if the chips are down, there's one person in that room that they're looking after, and that's themselves. You know, uh, it's it's all about numero uno, and they they clearly define that. You know, uh, uh, an un- unprincipled character. This is one of the selfish alignment. Unprincipled will keep his word of honor. Lie and cheat if necessary, mm-hmm. especially to those of anarchist or evil alignments. Right. Um, will not kill an unarmed foe, but Dell will definitely take advantage of one. Mm-hmm. Um, will never harm an innocent. Will not use torture unless absolutely necessary, but it's still on the menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, never kills for pleasure. Will attempt to bring the villain to justice alive or ruin him. Um. Uh, usually, usually helps those in need. Rarely attempts to work within the law. Um, so they, I mean, they don't really care about the laws. They're right. just, you know, they're just trying to do their do their job. Essentially, will blatantly break the law to achieve his crime busting goal. Uh, dislikes and distrusts authority, the law, and bureaucracy. Feels they have been corrupted and abused. Mm-hmm. Um, works with groups, especially if it serves his needs. Is profitable, or he or she is in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, sort will take dirty money. In other words, will loot criminals. Right, right. Um, never betrays a friend, and has a high regard for life and freedom. So it sounds like a generally okay guy, but when the chips are down, man, they can get a little bit mean. Right. But but all these things are clearly defined for you in the book, and every single one of the alignments has a list like this. They kind of defines where their limits are of that alignment. And I think that's something that, like, Dungeons & Dragons never really did. They give, like, a short little paragraph Mm -hmm. about what a lawful good is. Like, oh, they revere laws and goodness. Right, right. And it's not just that. Like, they went into detail. And this is only two pages in this book. Mm -hmm. They go into detail, and they give you a paragraph beyond, like, 
the wills, basically what they will and won't do, mm-hmm. which is all matched to each other of talking like not keep their word, lie and cheat, you know, betray. All those things are matched up. But they'll talk about like aberrant evil. The cliche is there's no honor among thieves is false when dealing with aberrant characters. This is a person who is driven to attain his goals through force, power, intimidation. Yet aberrant person stands apart from the norm with with his own personal code of ethics. Mm-hmm. Through its though it's twisted ethics and uh, by standards of good, he expects loyalty from his minions, punishing disloyalty and treachery with a swift merciful death. If an aberrant person will always keep their word of honor and uphold any bargains, he will define his terms and live by them whether anyone else likes it or not. Mm-hmm. But it makes them an evil person. Yep. And I I think that right there defined what the difference was in morality and design, but then it went into all the other pieces of it. Yep. And that right there gave you a framework for role play. Yeah. And that was wonderful. See that that like perfectly defines like the Godfather. Mm-hmm. You know, well, a lot of it's, characters. It's all about family. It's all about taking care of my people. But oh, I mean, no, no, I'm absolutely going to gun yours down in cold blood. But my people, they're family, and I love them. Yes, and I'm going to take good care of them. Um, you know, is is that sort of thing? And then, uh, so then when like later after I played Palladium and and I I got this as my primer for alignments, I would go into D and D groups, and they're like, oh, lawful evil. That means he's a rules lawyer. Mm-hmm. No, no, it doesn't doesn't mean that at all it means this you know yeah. oh no 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 it means a rules lawyer and chaotic and chaotic neutral means they're crazy nope. no it, it really doesn't insanity is completely different from alignment so speaking of which there's charts for that there's charts for that there are charts for insanity there's charts for it. that's the other thing that makes this system apart is that there are charts for everything charts for everything everywhere you, but at the same time if i'm not good at being creative if i can't think up a character I can go through a chart to help me. No, no, no. And, and, and look, look. Here's here's the thing. I'm gonna roll my eyes. You can all hear me rolling my eyes over this, it's, over it's, this it's completely audio, audio, completely, completely audio format. Um, but I, I'm I'm gonna say this. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's no. just not my cup of tea. It's a good you know, thing you're not drinking tea. It's it's <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's like I said to you uh, over dinner. I'm like it's 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 like Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a great game. I don't play it because it makes me angry and it makes me into a person I don't want to be around, let alone the others in my life. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just means that it's just not a good game for me to be playing. And I think that's kind of where I sit with Palladium in general is like, okay, sure. I'm going to sit here and roll my eyes over the fact that there's a, a chart to tell you which chart to roll on. Yes. But at the same time, there are some people who like that sort of crunch or who need that sort of definition. You know? I think I needed it early on. Definitely. Yeah. It helped. Uh, I was doing a lot of thinking about this and um, it harkens back to a lot of discussions that I've had with Sean about GURPS, mm-hmm. you know, and I've uh, you, you've all heard my opinions on GURPS before. And it's just the fact that, look, when when Sean does something in a role-playing game, he wants to know that there is a rules set that defines what that outcome should be. So that there is an expected outcome, and you're not left to the whims of the storyteller, kind Mm -hmm. of going, well, I think I should adjudicate it this way. And then you have unmet expectations. Right. Mismanaged expectations, you know. Um, Palladium covers that, because there's a rule for everything. Yes. You just need to know which book and what page it's on. Yep. Roll on much. the chart, roll percentile, and there you go. I think for me, it it was a natural move for me to 7C. Mm-hmm. 
because 7th C fits a lot of the base design of Palladium in, in, in feel. And that is, is you have characters and a rich world, but a lot of openness mm-hmm. and a good rule set. The difference is 7th C doesn't go into the minutia, but it still helps you build a character. Yeah. Right from the base go. And so I think for me, that really gave me a difference in the system. Mm-hmm. We have questions. We have a lot of questions. In 13 minutes. Okay. Let's hit one of these. All right. We're going to start start at the top of the list, or you got a special one that no, puts a twinkle for in your eye? No, go for it. All right. So the Technolich asks, uh, do you find, systems wi- find system-wide integration to be a boon or bane when designing adventures? Boon. System-wide integration. What do you think he means by that? I think what he means is what we're talking about in the multiverse, where everything fits together clean. Oh, yeah, um, I, I think it's I think it's 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 a bane or a boon depending on what you're trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like when when I'm thinking system wide integration, I'm thinking something like Dresden Files, mm. where the rules are very specific to emulate the things in the Dresden Files books. Gotcha. Okay, so taking the Dresden Files rules and trying to use them to tell your own story with that isn't a Dresden story mm. makes it very difficult because they're so intrinsically written the rules are so intrinsically written into the world mm. and reflect the world in how they in how they do I understand that. I could understand that. So if you're if you're trying to go out of world, then it's a it's a it's a terrible hassle. Mm-hmm. And makes it almost so you can't supplant it. On the other hand, if you're trying to play in world, it's wonderful because it, it the, all every rule helps with the world building. It helps with the feel of the world and how it plays out. So then I guess that does go to the second question, which is, do you ever find yourself grabbing pieces of garbage systems and incorporating them into broader play? Yeah. More, more concepts than mechanics yeah, all absolutely. the time. I think that's totally valid. There's gems in every pile of crap. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 7th C First Edition had many gems that I've carried over from mm-hmm. it. Um, I've carried stuff over from Robotech. Mm-hmm. I've carried stuff over from other game systems, but they're mostly house rules that I carry in. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think I think it's great. Gra- grab look, grab it, grab anything you find is, is is valuable and use it, man. I mean, nobody's look. You don't you don't owe any like publisher any rights or anything like that. Nope. Like if you st- steal shamelessly during your tabletop games, man, just yep. do it. Steal from movies, steal from other RP games, cute little you know rules bits that you've seen there. Yeah, wherever you find your inspiration, man, grab it and use it. All Next right, question? I'm gonna jump down to. Overwatches. Okay. Which Palladium Megaverse setting would you most likely run a game in? Which setting would you most likely play a game in? Mine's the same answer. TMNT? Uh, not even TMNT. After the Bomb. After the Bomb? After the Bomb, specifically. Uh, after the Bomb is the setting that they wrote uh, uh, as a, an expansion to TMNT at first, then became its own setting when they lost the TMNT light license. Uh, but it takes place in a post-apocalyptic future where mutant animals are common. Yeah. And uh, so everybody kind of, you don't have to like slink around in the shadows and worry about humans being like, oh my God, it's a mutant because mutants are everywhere. I would love to play again in TMNT. I think if I was going to run a game system, um, I kind of enjoyed running Robotech Mm -hmm. because I understand it and I think it's fun and I can play it lighter than the actual game mechanics put it out to be. So I think that's for me. Mm -hmm. So pick one. All right, uh, we are going to go to uh, the Mad Elf. Uh, it's, if it's not covered in the course of the discussion, favorite and least favorite Palladium games and why? Uh, I 
think I covered mine. Uh, after the bomb specifically, uh, mm-hmm. as, uh, as the offshooter TMNT is my favorite. Um, cause I just, I love the creativity of the mutant animals. I can't get that anywhere else in, in any other, uh, RP game that I, that I know of. Um, and least favorite is probably Rifts, again, just because it's it's kind of all over the place. I don't really like the grim, dark future sort of setting, and uh, MDC was just a step too far for me. I think Rifts is my least favorite, mm-hmm. even though I played a lot in it, um, only because it's so wide of breadth that it's hard to get a handle on why people would be together. Yeah. It 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 makes it really hard as a, as a storyteller. A glitter boy, a juicer, and a coalition soldier walk into a bar. Exactly. No, exactly. that's not a joke. That's the intro to our story. Yeah, it's you it's know? it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But you could do you could still do some neat things with it. But it would, I I don't see long campaigns. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't see it. Um, so yeah, I think my my favorite out of it would still be um, other strangeness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, Knox wants to know, do you think the licensing and marketing of popular properties like Palladium has done inspires or restricts good tabletop role-playing storytelling and gameplay? I think that's a great question. Hmm. I, uh, look, here, I'm I'm on the side of, I think, that it inspires good role-play. Um, I know there's, when you're, when you're licensing an official property, there is a chance... That there's going to be, um, I, I guess we call it the Matthew Mercer effect nowadays, where people look at the popular media it's based on and then try to emulate that at their tabletop, and maybe disappointed when their tabletop game does not emulate the the popular media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there there may be a danger of that, but frankly, I never ran into it. Like in in all of my games, at least, and maybe I'm in the minority here. When playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, nobody ever wanted to be the turtles. You know, we all looked at the fantastic smorgasbord of mutant animals and went, oh, wouldn't it be cool to play like a mutant wolverine? You know, how crazy would that be in hand-to-hand combat, man? I don't want to mess with one of those in real life, let alone a six-foot-tall one mm-hmm. that knows kung fu. Um, so I, I, always thought it, I always thought it kind of inspired because you could look to the media as for for inspiration and it would get you thinking about like wow what would i do if i were in that universe what would i do if i were in robotech hmm. you know and i had a veritech right you right know, what would my adventures against the zentradi be like yeah you know i think that as a whole the licensing is problematic sure. because you're betting on whether or not the system is going to make it right and things like i'm just going to throw some out there star wars Firefly, mm-hmm. um, TMNT, Robotech. These are all systems that came from genres. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, Robotech was based on the Palladium system, which was already an existing system. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of ways, it fit just fine. Sure. It worked out really well, in fact. Um, whether or not we can say that the Robotech as a franchise failed because of it, you could argue all kinds of directions on whether it was successful or failed. I think that's more of a personal thing. Firefly certainly didn't fail because it became a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the game system failed to meet the expectations of the players in a lot of ways. That's probably right. Um, I think Star Wars did to a degree. 
because I know it's been multiple versions now mm-hmm. and, and, and in different ways. Um, and it's still a giant universe, less of a individual storyline. I think originally, you know, people wanted to play a Jedi mm-hmm. and now you have all this other errata that goes with it. So it's more of a multiverse and what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it does to a degree for certain people do a disloyalty because you have an expectation, then you sit down in front of a storyteller who can't meet the story that you saw or read. That's yeah, it probably puts a lot of pressure on the storyteller to emulate that media. Right. I mean, I'm going to say way. this: Do you really want to play in a fanfic that someone else wrote? I, I don't know. Sometimes maybe, you do. Maybe depends on who's writing but that, it. But that's a die roll, right? But that's a die roll, yeah. Right. And and I think that becomes the problem. I think that's really where it can get touchy is, mm-hmm. is that it isn't just the system. It isn't just the rules. It isn't just the writing. It isn't just the art. It isn't just how well the die rolls. It's the story being told within right, that. Right, right. And, and if you've got a good storyteller, then it's amazing because they lean into that, into that source material and they bring it to life and it feels really real to you right. in a thing that you already love. But if you've got a bad storyteller... Unfortunately, you've got a line for comparison, and they just destroy something that you that you already love. Correct. At least when you're telling a unique story in a world that maybe is you, you've built, or if it's just an open world like Faerun, you know, right. like Forgotten Realms, you know, anything can happen there. So you just tell your own stories, and I mean, you don't really have a baseline of comparison. How many times have we had video game spinoffs mm-hmm. f- of a popular franchise not meet expectations? Oh, all the time. All the yeah. time. And and that's and especially the well and the other way around. How many times have they made movies out of video games? Oh dear God! And it's just uh, like any time I hear that it's a video game movie, it's just the most disastrous thing in the world. So many mistakes. Yeah, so many mistakes. So yeah, I would say as a whole, um, I think there's been more failures, but I think at the same time it comes down to your experiences that make it good or bad. Yeah, yeah. So. I yeah. think as as long as you're willing to go into go into a licensed property and understand that it's not going to be the licensed property, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you understand that you're going in making it your own and you're just playing in their universe with yeah. some of their with some of their rules and some of their world building, mm-hmm. and and go into it with that expectation that right. you're going to be telling your own unique story, then I think it's great. Yeah, but but not, it's also not is... not everybody can. And not every character who's going to go in that is going to be a unique character. And we've talked about this before where mm-hmm. people are playing literally spinoffs of critical role characters right. in other people's campaigns and expecting the world to react to their character as if they are that character, even though the name's different. Mm-hmm. And they're totally different, but they're the same tiefling right. doing the exact same bit, doing the exact same voice, doing the exact same everything. Well, not only that, but like, I did the same thing that they did in Critical Role. Why didn't the outcome... Right. Why wasn't the outcome the same, you know? Exactly. So, so um, yeah. So one of the things we're going to talk about next week, uh, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, is uh, something that I think is a topic that gets forgotten a lot, and that is law and order in fantasy realms. Oh, I know, right? And in, in, in not just fantasy, but in gaming in general. So we're going to talk about where is the law when you go to play you, a game? Where's a cop when you need him? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll get into that next week and and get your questions together because we all want to know what happened to the law. All right. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram st underscore conclave. Uh, if you're listening, you can listen to us live every week at seven p.m. Wednesday nights, uh, Eastern time on mixlr.com/slash/storyteller-conclave. And uh, you can find us on Discord as well. Please join us on Discord. Join the uh, join the discussions. A lot of great discussions happen there. Um, ask questions. Ask for help. Uh, we're all here to help. You can find that uh, link uh, on our webpage, mm-hmm. uh, which is us. Mm, sorry, I'm reading the wrong link here. Uh, Storyteller Conclave dot Blueberry dot. Net. Net. Yes, it is net. We've <laughs> we're, we're still new to this. I'm sorry. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, Knox, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum especially for helping us out. We appreciate all that we get from you guys. It keeps this uh, going. And uh, if you'd like to donate, please come to our uh, Patreon page. And uh, we'd love to have you and be able to say your name live on the air as well. Uh, and get the additional bonuses being able to chat with us like they do this week. Our intro music is Beyond the Warrior by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at uh, soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean, for supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our table over the years. And to you, every single one of our listeners. We love you. We love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Good night.